Lord, we come as, as a, a group of people from all different backgrounds, all different experiences. We come into this house, but we come as one, and that's the body of Christ. Just the, the mystery of every one of us being brought into Christ, being made new, being created as brothers and sisters and connected to the living God. What an incredible mystery that we get to partake in. And Father, I just pray as I share this morning that you just anoint these words, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Well, you know, over the last little while, at the beginning of each year, I often share just something that I believe the Lord is saying for us for, for this year. And um, so this morning, I just want to talk about where to in 2023. Just start with Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lay down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of death, I shall fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies, and you anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. So inspiring, isn't it? Such a wonderful uh, psalm. I don't know if you're aware that actually Psalm 23 is actually part of a trilogy of psalms, of connected psalms. Really, Psalm 22, 23, and 24 work together. The, the three psalms paint a prophetic picture of the past, present, and future ministries of Jesus. Psalm 22, you may know the opening verse. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Or why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far away when I groan for help? Of course, the words that were uttered by Jesus on the cross. Remember, David wrote these words a thousand years before Jesus would be born. And it's declaring, and so Psalm 22 actually declares the sacrificial work of Jesus at Calvary. And the rest of the Psalm, Psalm 22, if you read it, the rest of the Psalm goes on and tells us what Christ suffered and said on the cross. And of course, we can read it in the Gospels as well. Then we have Psalm 23, which I've read to you this morning, and that declares the present day ministry of Jesus. In Psalm 22, we see that, the Jesus, that Christ made provision for us. In Psalm 23, it tells us what that provision is, about that provision. Now, John 10 says that, that the, Jesus is the good shepherd. And we experience the good life of Psalm 23 as the sheep, in a sense, of Jesus Christ. He, the Lord is my shepherd. He provides safe rest. He restores our souls. He leads us in safe ways. He provides protection and provision. And he promises us constant presence in our lives. So we have Psalm 22 producing Psalm 23, which leads us into Psalm 24. And Psalm 24 actually deals with the future ministry of Jesus. The earth is the Lord's and everything in the world and all who live in it. You see, Jesus is not just king of the church, not just the king of his people. He is the king of creation. And this is the declaration we have in Psalm 24. One writer talking about it says it's a threefold declaration of Jesus. Jesus is saviour, Jesus is shepherd, and Jesus is sovereign king. And so that's so important. So that's Psalm 23. And how I got there was that over this uh, summer, January, a little weird experience. Uh, often in the night, the, the Lord will speak to me. And, and one of the ways he does when I get up to go to the bathroom or go and get a drink of water or something, I'll come back and, and uh, I'll notice the clock. 
or it might just simply wake me up. And I'll notice the, tol- the clock, and it'll be a time. And, and often that, there'll be an impression with that, that that time that I see is, uh, is important, and it refers to a scripture. Now, obviously, it doesn't happen all the time. Sometimes it can happen for a few times in a row, and th- then it may not happen for months and months and months. Anyhow, this particular time, as I came back to bed, it was actually 2.30. And I had a sense that this time was important, <coughs> but I actually forgot about it. <laughs> and a couple of nights later, I woke up, and the clock said it was 3.23. I thought, oh, okay. And it made me remember the one before. And then finally, the next night, I woke up at 5.23. This time, I was wide awake, and so... And, I, and I'd actually been dreaming about liberty, and I was, I was just that 23 really impressed me, and I kind of stumbled out of bed and wandered down to the lounge and into my chair where I sit, and I just began to, to pray, Lord, what are you saying, and kind of doze, and you know, you get into that kind of um, transient state between being awake and asleep, and this time I, I had a little dream of a, of a, a, a uh, of sheep around a pond with a waterfall pulling down into it, and, and the sheep were around it, and they were drinking, but they weren't just drinking, they were playing, and there was this whole sense of, of it was like a joyful party kind of thing happening on and that's when I sort of really came back to it and felt no I really need to read Psalm 23 and as I read it I felt the Lord say 23 is for 23 Psalm 23 is my promise for 23 for 2023 and it was cool because I've been talking a bit to this to Joanne about this and she was sharing with me and she said yeah so and she started talking to me I think you initially added it and said hey listen I've been reading Psalm 23 and just the power of it the, what it has for me and I said well funny you should say that because <laughs> I really believe that's a word for us this, this year and it's really captivated me and I just found myself contending with it and praying through it and thinking about it and and I believe there's a real truth in Psalm 23 for us in 23. The power of Psalm 23 is an invitation we have to enter into it. And and I I believe that he's saying that he wants us to know him afresh, in a fresh way as a shepherd. And uh, what I believe he's saying is is really, I believe the Lord's saying, my work amongst you this year will be marked by rest and restoration. Through learning to experience rest and to experience the rhythm of my kingdom, you will find restoration. This will be such a, a sweet and divine rest of your soul. And then I will lead you in the right direction. I'll bring glory to my name through what I do, do in your life. Your, your portion is a life without fear. And, and as you live fearlessly for me, I'm going to show myself strong for you, even in the dark and hard places. And then he says this, and, and he emphasized it. I've got you. I've got you. I've got you. And I won't let you go. I will comfort you and I will turn the table of the enemy and the enemy will watch you as I set a table before you that will be full of, of, of flavor and favor and provision. This is an invitation this year to be smeared and I will anoint you with fresh oil. I will, you will smell of the goodness of God. You will experience my overflow in an unprecedented way. You will be tackled by my goodness and my mercy over and over again. And all of this and more will increase exponentially as you dwell in my house, declares the Lord. So seek me as your shepherd. Pursue me as your provider. Make me the sole source of your life and affection. And then, only then, will you begin to understand the truth and the power of Psalm 23 as it's unveiled and unleashed in and through you, declares the Lord. Amen.
I think this is an invitation for each one of us to get hold of in the psalm. And, and, and as we go before the Lord and we contend for it, I think it's going to be something that's going to light us up in our lives. Here's a modern version of it for us. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. So let me rest in green pastures. He leads me beside peaceful streams, giving me quiet pools of deep water to drink from. He renews my strength and refreshes my soul as I catch my breath. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor and glory to his name. Lord, even when your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness, fear will never conquer me. Listen to this, because you already have. Your loving presence takes away all my fear and you stand as my guardian to protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in front of my enemies. You revive my drooping head by anointing me with oil. You give me all I can drink until my heart overflows. Your beauty and your goodness, your unfailing love chase after me every day of my life and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Lord, I just pray the reality of these words will become deeply entrenched in each one of us right now in our beings as we learn to walk out our calling in 2023. Wherever we are, Father, if we're in a place of, of feeling like we're, we are in the valley of the enemy right now, Father, I pray that you just give revelation that fear not. Fear not. Fear not. Because Jesus has got you. Jesus has got you. Whatever uncertainty, whatever's there, that we, we can find provision and fullness in God. Father, I pray that. I pray any lies that the enemy have had over us that have captivated us and caught us and, and, and Lord, just began to mix up our, our thinking and we can't think straight anymore and we're confused and we don't know what's going on and, and there's all this floods and COVID and, and sickness and unemployment, all these things. Lord, we, we determine to be still and know that you are God. And we thank you that your presence is with us and we will fear not because the Lord is with us. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. And the second word that I uh, have for this year came from, from actually a cancellation of one of our best-known summer festivals. And uh, I was sitting down, I re just read on my news feed, the, the rhythm, rhythm, and, rhythm, 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 yeah, rhythm, rhythm and vines, I'm glad you know what it is. The first, this could not be good morning, <laughs> festival down in Gisborne had been cancelled. And I felt God say to me, as I was thinking, oh, well, rhythm and vines, he said, no, rhythm and fruit. And sort of hesitated, no, no, it says rhythm and vines. He said, no vine is successful until it has fruit on it. And, and again, the Lord impressed me with John 15. And I look, I'm aware these are common verses, but, you know, sometimes it's in the common that God works the best. So I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may, it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word for which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out of the branch and is withered. And they gather them up and throw them in the fire and they are burned. 
If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this, my Father will be glorified and you will bear much fruit. So you will be my disciples. Colossians 10 goes on and says, Lead lives worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him as we bear fruit in every good word. You see, Jesus is calling us to be fruitful. And I guess the immediate question I would ask, or I did ask, is well, what does that look like? You see, in this world where there's demand and purpose and goals and, and a push and a call to produce, produce, to make things happen, to get on going, we end up putting ourselves under so much pressure to try to achieve. You know, and, and, but I find it really interesting that Jesus, when he was asked by his disciples, what were the greatest commands? In other words, they were trying to find out, well, how do we do, how do we be successful in this, this discipleship stuff? Essentially, how do, how do I make my life fruitful? Jesus replied very simply, he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and, and with your soul and with your mind. For this is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. We have the same theme in the Old Testament, Micah 6 verse 8. I love this verse. He has shown you, O man, what is good. What does the Lord require of you? To do justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly with your God. You see, this is the core of what God requires of us, to love God and to love others, to treat others how you would have them treat you and I, to do justly, to love mercy, to walk. That's the call of every believer in Jesus. And John 15, straight after Jesus has spoken about producing fruit, and it's interesting, if you go through that chapter and you look at it, you get to produce fruit, more fruit, and much fruit. So Jesus is encouraging us to constantly produce fruit. And after all that, when he's talking about fruit, he then says this, this is my commandment. So straight off the back, he says, produce fruit. Then the next thing he says is, that you may love one another as I have loved you. See, the fruit he's calling us to, to produce is relationships. The, the, call, the, um, the, the call of Jesus, the goal of Jesus as followers is to love and have fidelity towards God and to love and be, give service to others. See, that's the fruit that Jesus follows. That's the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit, it says, is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. See, we are called to live our lives well. But I think we've lost some of the beauty of what God intends us to do in finding out how to live life. You see, I think there's a sacredness that we have lost in, the pr in all the pressures. That the, you know, there is a sacredness of life in living ordinary lives, of simply being people who love well, serve others, and follow the promptings of the Holy Spirit in their lives. You see, we need to realize that there is a difference between productivity and fruitfulness. Pr one is artificial and frantic. That's productivity. The other is earthly and slow and that's fruitfulness. And many, many of us, to be honest, live our lives by fault. John Lennon said, life is what happens while we're busy making other plans. <laughs> Great quote, isn't it? And I tell you what, you know, we need to learn to live. It's better to live on purpose than to live by default. But that doesn't mean we run out and we make lists and all these sorts of crazy things. You know, it's become almost a thing of our modern generation that we've got to have lists and we've got to have goals and we've got to have this and we've got to have that and we've got to, and, and you know, 
But I, listen, if we're not careful in all this, this vision casting and inventory taking and plan making, we can be misguided. And what happens is the goal just simply becomes more productive. But Jesus wants us to be more fruitful, to actually be fruitful in the kingdom. So, so what does that look like? Well, number one, fruitfulness flows from a life abiding in Christ. You see, it's about receiving the love of God and allowing God's love to produce a love for Him in return. We need to see our lives as an overflow of being deeply loved by God and having a deep love for God. You see, no matter what you do or don't do, regardless of what you've accomplished or what you've failed in, nothing, nothing, nothing can ever change how much God loves you. Nothing can ever separate you from the love of God. You are already fully and truly loved by God, full stop. Absolutely. And faithfulness flows from a life of abiding in, the, in Christ. It's about receiving the love of God and allowing God's love to produce a love for Him in return. Secondly, Fruitfulness is about becoming, not doing. Have you ever noticed that the, the fruit of the Spirit, all of those are character qualities. They're things that grow in us that become embedded in the fabric of who we are in our being. Fruitfulness is what we become gradually, slowly by the grace of God. In our frantic society, you know, it's that, that famous thing, I'm going to pray, Lord, give me patience, and Lord, give it to me yesterday. You know, and that's how many of us live. Productivity is about the things we want to achieve, but fruitfulness is about the person that we are becoming. Number three, bearing fruit is the result of the Spirit's work in you. It's the Spirit that brings love, joy, peace, and patience and all those other things from the soil of our lives. It's a, you know, the Christian life is a mystery, people. I mean, we, we, we take it too for granted. Think about this. God invites you. God, creator of all the universe, supreme being, got it all together, invites us to participate with him through faith, surrender, and effort to be involved in a transformation process that makes me more like Jesus. Now listen, I know me, and I really don't think I'm, the eff I'm worth the effort. <laughs> but for some bizarre reason, he does, and I'm okay to play with that. See, spiritual transformation is the Spirit's work. And living a life of rhythm creates space for the work of the Holy Spirit to be in us. Spiritual formation is a spirit's work and the lead actor in the story is the triune God. Not you and not me. Fourthly, fruitfulness is never for our sake. You know that? As we abide in Jesus, the Holy Spirit produces fruit in us for the sake of the world. An apple tree doesn't benefit the apple. Until the apple is eaten and the core is thrown on the ground, where seeds can turn into other apples, other trees, that's when there's productivity, when there's an enjoyment of it. And the fruit of our lives is for the good of others. When we become more faithful or long-suffering or gentle around those 
they receive that as a present from the Father. They receive that. Look, you know, I mean, I'm going to use an example, Troy, at the moment, as you're aware of the floods, you know, and I mean, we've, we've, we've had a bit of damage at our place, and Troy comes around, and, and it just struck me, as he was around there last night looking at it, how much of the kingdom he brings, because he brings the peace and the hope and the presence of God. And so when he walks into a house to, to look at the damage, he doesn't just come in and deal with it as a, as a carpenter. He comes in and he speaks in such kindness and gentleness and loving that the people relax. You know? Now, you might think that's not Christianity. That is spirituality 101, people. And people are encountering. They're bringing peace. He's ministering the love of Jesus into those lives. And it's powerful. It's really powerful. As we abide in Jesus, the Holy Spirit produces fruit in us for the sake of the world. And the final one, number five, fruit is meant to result in the glory of God. When we abide in Jesus and become more like him as the Spirit works in us and with us, others see our good works and the light shining and glorify God in heaven. Just what I was telling you about, Troy. So we're called to fruitfulness. This is our challenge for 2023, allowing the Holy Spirit to provoke something much deeper, something that shifts in us eternally, transforming our entire posture and way of being. You know, it's interesting, weeds grow on their own. Amen to that? <laughs> but fruitfulness flows from faithfulness. Growing as a Christian means abiding in Jesus and allowing the Holy Spirit to produce fruit in us for the sake of others. This is the key of living a victorious life, a kingdom life. A couple of weeks ago, I really started talking about this and talking about the simplicity of the Christian lifestyle. You see, what happens is so often we, we get this image of, a, of what we should be like. You know, it's kind of like a mix of Paul, Moses, and David on a good day. And then we get all the stories of all these guys who have raised the dead and you know, stopped the sun and all this sort of carry on. And we put all that into a mix and we think that's what we've got to be like and we're not going to make it so we give up because we know it's so unattainable. We just can't be like that. But you know, that is a myth. That's a lie of the enemy. In actual fact, if you study church history, you will see that the greatest times, the most transforming times the church has, has happened is when normal people have believed God and allowed the Holy Spirit to work through them in their everyday lives. See, God is wanting to lift us off the, our shoulders the cape of super-Christian, get rid of that superhero complex and refit us with his mantle, his yoke. And what does he say about that? Listen to this. How many of us can witness to this? Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take real rest. Walk with me. Work with me and watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. I love that. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. That's what God is inviting us for our lives to look like, full of unformed, unforced rhythms of grace. You see, I think one of the things that's come out of the COVID pandemic, and, and I mean, in a sense, in the positive way from God, is an actual invitation for us to slow down, 
and reevaluate the importance of life, what really matters. And I think one of the things that he's saying is, hey, we need to learn to be ordinary people with an extraordinary God. And ordinary people with an extraordinary God. See, being a true Jesus follower happens in life. Being a Jesus follower doesn't mean we remove ourselves from the life to try to do the holy thing and, and live in this kind of bubble. But we learn to allow the Holy Spirit to flow through us, the rivers of living water flowing through us to those around us. See, Jesus, God is the kind father and shepherd of Psalm 23 who cares for his children and his flock. And in the midst of all these things happening, God is wanting to reorientate us to have access for us to access the way we are to live as Christians. God is wanting to bring us to a place where we operate in our gifts and our callings from a place, from a, a state of trust, of peace, following his leading and recognizing sacred places and the practice of being ordinary people with an extraordinary God. And I believe this year is an invitation for us, for you and I, for liberty, to go into deeper places with God both individually and corporately. And we need to do this by learning how to flow in the unforced rhythms of grace. Now, I've shared with you some of the things that I'm beginning to put in my life. This, is, this has been a journey for me, a very real journey for me over the last few years, where I've become more and more aware of the, the rhythms of grace, if you like, things that are actually creating sacred times in me, times where I read the Psalms, times where I don't just pray something, kind of whatever comes into my mind, but that I use, I've developed prayers and I focus on his presence, where I've become more meditative and how they've created sacred places and a deeper place that we're encountering God from. And, and we're going to continue on and over the year I'm going to teach you and share with you and invite you to be part of that journey and experience things. I mean, I've had some of you already come and share with me the, the reading of the Psalms or that prayer, that morning prayer that I pray every morning, that how, how you, as you've used it, it's opened up whole new levels of praying. It hasn't actually made it more formal. It's actually made it more freeing and more an opportunity for you to encounter God. Because what it does is it actually creates a space where we can take off the cloaks of religious expectation and live our lives faithfully following Him. See, we need to learn to be comfortable with that. Rest when needed. Have fun with our families. Following His lead leadership without pressure to perform or make things happen. And in that, we have confidence that God will lead us and guide us. And in the midst of all that, there is an offer to partner with him as he does wonders through us. You know, we've built it up so much that sometimes, I, you know, in some of the, these ministries, I actually wonder who's getting the glory. But when you have just normal people do super normal things because they worship an extraordinary God, then people take notice. You know, and I'm in a place, I've got to admit, I'm in a place of, of relearning a simplicity of living my life well. Living it simply and well. I'm learning to follow those, those, those uh, unforced rhythms of grace. You know, one of my mantras that I've said over the last year or so is following Jesus is more like a long walk in the woods than sitting in a classroom. You know, we, we've got into this place where, oh, if you get taught a fact, you know it, and you're better for it. And that's just not true. This is an invitation in the relationship. You know, if you're married, if you live just by the book, if, you know, when your wife comes in, it's, uh, number one, say how nice you look. No, uh, no, I won't do that one today. Number two, say, you know, I want it for dinner. You, your marriage won't last very long. 
you know. I mean, your, your, your wife may have written you an information book, and in that case, you might pay to read it. But for most of us, <laughs> everybody looks at Andrew. <laughs> Joanne, what have you done? You have done that. Oh, well. <laughs> okay, well, for the rest of us <laughs> who are living by the Spirit. <laughs> but, you know, we, we, we need to be in that place of just... Now I've lost my train of thought. <laughs> Oh, you're learning just you know, to, to be in that place of flowing and enjoying God. Not striving and think, do I have to make it? The moment you stand there and say, Jesus, you've made it. You've made it. Because he loves you. you know? I tell you, Charlie, you know, our, our granddaughter, she looks at me and she lifts her arms up. Man, she's one. <laughs> she can have anything she wants. You know? <laughs> And it's a little bit like it with, with us. To produce the good fruit that God is calling us to, we need to learn in the unforced rhythms of grace. We need to be planted in the soil of his presence, the soil of his word, and the soil of his family. And, and as I say, over 2023, we want to provide resources that allow you to dig deep into those soils. We want to encourage you to develop a life of sacred rhythm. I mean, one clear way that I've already indicated is reading the Psalms each day. You know, 150 Psalms, you get to do that twice a year. You'd be surprised how quick you can read a Psalm. And, uh, you know, just, just it, but it brings rhythm. Because you see, in the Psalms, there's every human emotion. And that's so important. Sometimes we, we want to uh, gold coat the whole thing. But you read some of David's, you know, Psalms. Dear God, life sucks and everything stinks. <laughs> oh, Okay. <laughs> Obviously, it wasn't a good day, but it's reality. You know, you, you don't read the Psalms to study them. I mean, I do that at another time. You read them to declare and to allow, to associate with what the emotions are, to allow the Holy Spirit to touch your emotion and to bring transformation. And that's so important. The Psalms are about prayer structure and holy rhythm and emotional health. Because all the, all the range of human emotions is in there, played out in prayer by a man who was very, very real with his God. I mean, I've got to admit, it took me a while to learn to pray them, to read them. I read them, as I've said to you before, I read them out aloud. I hold a Bible, one of those things, a paper thing, called a book. Some of you probably heard about them. And, and I actually read out aloud because I'm involved with my eyes and I'm speaking it and I'm holding it. So I'm, in, I'm fully engaged with what I'm reading, you know, because health is found in rhythm and you need holy rhythms in your life, a rhythm of prayer, rhythm of scripture, rhythm of worship and rhythm of communion. Of communion. You know, we're going com- to take communion in a few minutes because celebrating communion is, is one of the ancient rhythms of the church. And just as a note, as I've studied this over the last little while, the Eucharist is, is becoming something so totally new that we're going to try some different things over this year as we celebrate. It's not just an old tradition or something we do because we've been told to do it, but it's a deep, mysterious encounter with God when we take communion. And so we're going to have experiments in different ways to celebrate communion as a community this year. Likewise, I encourage you to give more attention to, to the Christian holidays, Christmas, Easter, and Pentecost. Because they are rhythms of incarnation, resurrection, and immersion in the Holy Spirit. And just taking time to pause what they're about. And obviously one of the key ones is the Lord's Day. 
You're here today. It's central to maintaining a holy rhythm. The Son of Man altered the holy day from the Sunday to the mon- uh, sorry, from Saturday to Sunday, but he didn't eliminate it. Communal worship on the Lord's day is a central rhythm of all saints. I mean, I've just come to the conclusion that anybody who tries to live a Christian life by themselves, and there's so many these days, and try to watch it just online, I've just got to be frank, they're deluded. It's just so absolutely utterly contrary to the teaching of Jesus and to the Word of God. When we are baptised, we are baptised into Christ, and we are baptised into the Church of God. Baptism is, is a much more important step than just a, a, a celebrate a thing we do as a statement. It actually has a spiritual reality, and I'll talk about that more as well. We've advertised baptisms coming up. We're, pla- we're planning to have encounter nights again, bringing them in. And these nights are going to be nights for us to come together and worship King Jesus. Take communion together, pray for one another, be no preaching, just be sharing what God is doing. And it's our intention to have one of those every, every couple of months. You see, formation occurs, spiritual formation occurs when we interact with one another. And our connect groups, we see talked about already, are super, super important. They are communities that prioritize the practice of the way of Jesus together, learning to become more like Jesus and do what he did. And I really do encourage you to check them out if you're not already part of one. So there are some other things coming up this year as well, and we'll talk about them at a later date. So we're two in 2023. God is inviting us to enjoy an adventure of living life well, of living an ordinary life well, to learn unforced rhythms of grace, trust his goodness, cultivate relationships and explore wide open spaces and, and the joy of being ordinary people with an extraordinary God. So we're going to take, we're going to break bread together now. So if I can just have those who are going to serve us. What I would ask you to do is to take hold of it. Please hold both the bread and wine and we're going to share and take it together. If I can have the worship team up as well. We do have gluten-free bread. Yep. So if you need that, that's available as well. So the table has been prepared, not of the church, but of that of Jesus Christ. 
has been made ready for those who love the Lord a little or those who would like to love Him even more. All are invited to come to this table. The certain, the uncertain, the faithful, the doubters. To come, to come. If you have much faith or if you have little faith, you have faithful, followed faithfully, you have tried and failed. There is always space for all of us at this table. Come not because of your own goodness, but because of the goodness of God. Come and meet the risen Christ. Come and eat from the tree of life rediscovered. Turn your heart towards Jesus and receive the salvation of God. For Jesus is the bread of life, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Come to where heaven and earth overlap, the table of the Lord, and receive the life of Christ as your own. The grace and peace of the Lord Jesus Christ, our Father, and sorry, the peace of God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. This bread that you're receiving is the body of Christ broken for you. This cup is the blood shed for you. Eat and drink and know that you are encountering the mercy of Christ, the forgiveness and the salvation of Christ. Let's take it now together and just thank the Lord and receive these emblems.